The Mueller report is still dominating headlines day after day. This is starting to seem like a distraction. But from what? The Monica Perez Show starts now. This is Monica Perez. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB every Saturday from 3 to 6. But I'm more than just a Libertarian. I'm coming to you from deep of center and waking you up to the true threats to our liberty, no matter which direction they come from, left or right. And I want your help. So I invite you to call throughout the show, starting now, whatever, anything you've come up with during the week that you think people should be alerted to to defend our rights and protections. So if you think liberty or justice is in jeopardy from any direction and it's not being presented that way in the media, give me a call, 404-872-0750 or 800-WSB-TALK. So I'm looking at the news of the week, the headlines, even the Mueller report, all the stuff that's surrounding that, uh, and I do think it's starting to feel like a distraction. But I'm looking at it and asking why, you know, what is the, what's the problem here? How is our, our system breaking down? Is it, is it harmless? Obviously, whatever it's distracting us from is not going to be harmless. But the biggest news this week was that Bill Barr, uh, was the attorney general, was held in contempt of court, uh, contempt of Congress. And it's being called a constitutional crisis, but Judge Knapp from Fox News put it very well. He said it's not it's not a constitutional crisis. It's there's the laws cover it. The law that covers it is that the uh, attorney general Barr should just go to a court and ask them how to respond to the congressional demand that he give up the redacted portions of the Mueller report open them up to the public. He either he can ask a judge to either quash Congress's motion or uh, give him permission to comply with it. But the problem, what, what I see as the actual bigger underlying threat here is all these conflicts, all these clashes we get over and over and over again are often already covered by the laws that we have that processes and the procedures and the policies, if they are actually adhered to, then we would not have a crisis and actually some of these harms would not even have been done. And uh, there's many of the like big events that get blamed for uh, the need for new policy from the Kate Steinle shooting on the pier in San Francisco to the Parkland shooting uh, actually it's the gun control is the biggest area in which i see these events that are attributed to bad laws and bad policies that that are that the laws and policies that are in place would have prevented those actual events if they had been followed so what i what i think the failure is of the government agents and the media uh, the government agents can do it actually directly but the problem with the media is that the they are not calling out the individuals who are 
ignoring the policy. They're the individuals who are not following the laws, the procedures. So when Bill Barr doesn't go to court and get this issue resolved, that should be the focus. Why isn't he doing that? And then maybe you could get the answer that he's doing it because he's a shill of Trump and he's trying to protect Trump and he's willing to fall on his sword for that. I don't believe that. I believe that he's doing it because he's playing into this circus. But the fact is that he that 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 is the real question. Why isn't he going to court? And I believe that these people don't actually follow the procedures because uh, the procedures work, that we don't have a problem with our fundamental legal architecture, but that people like Michael Chertoff, which we've played that clip before, he's, he was the head of Homeland Security. He said, oh, we have a problem. Our, our fundamental legal framework is wrong and needs to be updated for the 21st century to deal with these extra governmental threats, these, you know, terrorists and stuff, which are just pirates, which are in the Constitution. You actually have provisions for that in the Constitution. So they're trying to convince us that our laws, our frameworks, our the stuff that's been built up over really 10,000 years of human civilization. But, you know, 2000 years since the the um, kind of pinnacle of administrative evolution, I guess, the Roman Empire, Roman Republic, and then to a couple hundred years of our our traditions based on this these founding documents, the Constitution. And even though I actually have my doubts about the intent of the Constitution, and I think that it did kind of subvert the American Revolution, which was the founding law of that was the Articles of Confederation, which I don't think were really legally supplanted by the Constitution. But in order to get that little uh, squirrely business done, they had to make the Constitution something they could argue would protect our rights and privileges. And they did argue that in the Federalist Papers. And, and I say we should hold them to that by looking at the Constitution and requiring that they follow those those procedures. And they don't. And it's not just a Republican or a Democrat thing. It's they Trump is no defender of the 10th Amendment, my favorite one of my favorite amendments. I love them all, but I love the first 10 anyway. Uh, but I, I had I found this funny quote from I used to I, I love this book, Our Enemy, the State by Albert J. Nock. It's a really great book. And I, I wrote a review of it. I'll have to unearth that repost it. But I there's a quote. It's a really strange and funny quote knock was a, I guess a rather flowery writer and he wrote this he said this is from the 30s he wrote this he says the party system uh, at once like right after the constitution I guess became in effect an elaborate system of fetishes which to me a fetish is like kind of a dirty word but he just means like pet peeves or whatever which in order to be made as impressive as possible were chiefly molded up around the constitution and were put on show as constitutional principles and the history of the whole constitutional period from 1789 to the present day is an instructive and cynical exhibit of the fate of these fetishes so like party platforms he's talking about uh, items on the party platform when they encounter the one 
actual principle, the only actual principle of party action, which is the principle of keeping open the channels of access to the political means, which means the whole Knox idea, and I think it's true, is that the whole reason to have a dominant government is to take the privileges your to take your rights and exploit them for the privileged class for the people who are connected to government for who so the economic means of production is when you go out and work the political means of production is when you legally steal the fruits of somebody else's labor so the political means is uh, appropriating somebody else the fruits of their labor and it's so clear that's exactly what it is and even when they call it politics in a company it's really just someone stealing your work stealing your credit so he's saying that's really the only principle of politics is to use the political means to uh, get value for yourself. So when uh, there's a fetish, like a party thing of strict construction of the Constitution, if that collides with the principle of political uh, exploitation, it has invariably gone by the board. The party that maintained it simply changes sides. So you go from strict constructionists, and he actually cites the Democrat Party, because this is in the 30s, as having their fetish with state sovereignty and strict construction of the Constitution. And obviously that's flipped now. But it flipped back just this week as the Democrats are the ones thumping the Constitution against their chests uh, in this issue, saying it's a constitutional crisis with Barr. But it's not a constitutional crisis because if you just follow the when they say constitutional crisis, what they're saying is the Constitution does not address it and that we need something profound and fundamental. But I, I can't I haven't come across yet a principle that could not be covered by the Constitution and the laws that we have, probably because I think our fundamental law is don't touch me or my stuff. So it doesn't take a lot. I mean, that is enshrined in the fundamental law. Now, most of the laws actually go in there and and diminish that right. But the bottom line is, I think this stuff, I, I can't, I haven't seen a supposed crisis or conflict or clash, especially this is coming up a lot with uh, Indivisible or the people on the left who have said, like Binkley, my producer here, remember when, I forget that guy's name, like a Panamanian guy and then a local Atlanta activist were saying, this is what you have to do when when the system breaks down. Yeah, if there's not a way to get it done within the system, then they got to just, they got to shout people down. Yeah, and what they're, what they're saying is the system isn't working. Yeah. But it's just that it's not working in their favor. But it is working. If you actually look at it, like this is the process by which actually minorities are protected. And I don't mean minorities like racial minorities, although that it, it should also any kind of group interest, shared interest that is not shared by the majority, as long as it's within your rights, it should be protected. And you shouldn't allow a, a dic- dictatorial centralized over large government to be able to exploit your privileges through the political means to the advantage of a small majority or even an elite minority so these are all principles that i i i just caution when i hear stuff like constitutional crisis i always think well are they following the processes and the procedures and this is this has become really important with the with the criminal justice 
injustices, the criminal injustices I've been highlighting is that these people are not getting due process. They're not getting the protections of their amendments. And I can uh, maybe we'll get into a few examples of how it's happening really in the gun control area of this manufactured crisis when the actual policies would be fine, would actually have prevented the story they're telling you. But there's so much more to the Mueller story, to uh, what I think it's a distraction for. And Binkley has a special report, long-awaited special report on 5G that we're going to get to at 5 o'clock. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. Yeah, well, you know, that's just like uh, your opinion, man. On News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We are talking about... Bill Barr being held in contempt of Congress, and I'm going to take a quick call. I'm going to go to Isaac in Ellenwood. Isaac, you are on with Monica. Hey, how you doing? I'm the first one. (laughs) Yeah, right on. Come on, what you got? You don't have a lot of time, but you are first. Hey, the real problem is, is this is a humanistic plot to destroy America and use America to fuel the global economy, the global world coming system that's coming. It's humanistic. Uh, one thing, uh, Abraham Lincoln, the first president of South Native United States of America, after the Civil War, the man would have done great as to restoring the order in America. We I, I agree with that. Okay, and then you come up with McKinney. You come up with uh, James Abram Garfield. The man would have made great racial strides in America and also as well as the economy. I think Warren G. Harding was assassinated also. Uh, yes, and so now you come up to Mr. Kennedy, who hated big government and uh, really believed in patriotism in our nation. Well, our real problem is, is we have a group of people in our nation that's caught up in pluralism and do not know how to love America. And they are fueled by a bunch of other haters that wants to exploit them to comfort themselves in taking over the United States of America and using it to feed the whole world, which we are not capable of doing. But they forget everything. It all comes down to morals. And that's why they are trying to kill Mr. Trump, because he's standing in the way. Wow, Isaac, that was really, I can't believe that you got that many thoughts out in the short amount of time that I have for you. Uh, I hope that you call back with more. I love the big picture stuff. I love the go deep stuff. And uh, and I and actually, you get to the ultimate question: is why why not why not go for what's good instead of destroying the whole thing? I'm going to explain what I mean by that after the break. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. It's a man A man on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. I am the Libertarian Voice on WSB. And uh, I, we just got a call on Saturday afternoons from 3 to 6. Uh, we just got a call from Isaac before the break uh, talking about what there's a bigger picture here at, at play. What is really happening in this country right now? It's probably the same thing that's been happening For 100 years, if not 200 years, uh, I just read a quote from Albert J. Knox, Our Enemy, the State, which was written probably 80 years ago. And he talks about the Constitution itself being the beginning of the end, I think kind of in the in the realm of Lysander Spooner, whether it was meant to be good or was meant to be 
was designed to fail, it doesn't matter because it's not working. Now, I actually might be surprised to hear this because I'm such a radical libertarian. I'm an anarcho-capitalist that I actually believe society is self-ordering and that government is the source of the power that can really maximize exploitation of your basically it's it's not just your liberty. I think the ultimate thing is that what they do is suck up to the top the fruits of your labor. They get you to work. They use these manipulative ideas. And and actually, the fruits of our labor that have been stolen have been funneled into so-called scientific research, which uh, then results in this technology that will relegate us all to the status of useless eaters, to quote Kissinger, uh, eventually. So it's a very sinister seeming thing from the outside, to me anyway. And um, uh, Isaac was saying they just, you know, it's anti, it's humanistic. So anti-spiritual, anti-God. I personally think humanism doesn't work where like you, you love and care for a human being because they are human. I think it doesn't work because we are flawed and it's easy to decide that that person doesn't deserve it. It takes an awful lot of compassion to see through all that. But that's why seeing Jesus and other people and feeling like there's a spiritual reason for it, that you're getting all the credit for, for treating this person better than you think they deserve to be treated. I think that's probably the only way it's really ever going to work. So humanism as a kind of religion, secular humanism, I agree does not work. It is not a good moral foundation, but, uh, I, I I, I, st- I want to address the question of, like, why is it happening this way? Are these people really trying to destroy America? Do they hate it? Do they hate our principles? I'm not a... Actually, I'm a bit of a constitution thumper, even though I recognize the problem with it. But I believe that the Bill of Rights, I think it was such a compromise. The Constitution was, it was such a struggle to get it in there as the revolution, right after the revolution, that... Uh, they had to, they were up against it and really had to negotiate, especially, thank goodness for George Mason, the Bill of Rights. So we got that in there. And that, that to me, is like the last stand. It's the thin <laughs> ivory line, you know, on the parchment uh, between us and tyranny. And I want to defend that to the end because I feel like, okay, yes, I believe society would be self-ordering if, you could get rid of these sinister manipulators who create and then hijack seats of power. Yeah, then then you, it would work. But but maybe the pursuit of liberty is really just you're born into this world. You're not recreating or tearing down government with every generation. You're born into where, what you've got. And maybe your your job is to kick the can or maybe make it better, but at least kick the can to preserve the liberty that we have, which is good, objective liberty in the Bill of Rights. It's good. It's not the best you could do, the best you get. It's good. It's protections from the the threat of the government and maybe government you will always have with you because there's just too much uh, too much intergenerational power in the kind of sinister elite. But if you if uh, so I so I feel like you have to absolutely, preserve these rights and that we should want to 
so so both sides seem to be wanting to get rid of the Constitution somehow. They, on the one hand, you have very well-meaning meaning people, seems to me, calling for a convention of the states to redo the Constitution. I mean, this is something that probably most of the people who are listening to me have heard of, uh, a convention of states or a constitutional convention coming from the right. I object to that because there is absolutely no way in today's world and atmosphere we're going to do better than what we have, which we can barely defend as it is. And then on the left, you have calls, this is a constitutional crisis. We need to have... Uh, you know, and then you have like the non-left or right Michael Chernoff, just superpower globalist guy who says that legal infrastructure is inadequate to the 21st century challenges. They're all they're all create they're all identifying their crises from different different places on the map. But like is so true with the dialectic always. This is, I guess, a trialectic. They are converging towards the same solution, which is. The Constitution is inadequate. And I'm saying it is adequate and we should defend it and focus on it regardless of where the threat comes from. But in answer to Isaac's claim or question, uh, you know, or what I got from what Isaac's call was, why? Why are they doing this? And to me, anybody who is advocating either, either big government unprincipled positions, which we're getting from the left and the right, from wanting to start war in Iran or invade Venezuela to wanting to implement pure socialism here. Either way, they are undermining our, our liberty and our ability to enjoy the fruits of our own labor. And we should be together. In, and that's where the Tenth Amendment comes in. That keeps all that kind of nonsense, at least at the state level, where you could vote with your feet if you had to. Because you have a right to live in the other states. You don't have a right to live in another country. The other countries are probably hopeless too. So so I feel like why are the people not seeing that no matter what you feel like the best government should be, at the very least, we should defend the Bill of Rights and identify the threats to our liberty, to justice, and to being able to keep the fruits of our labor, not having it stolen or exploited. So that's, I know it's big picture stuff, but that's where I'm... I'm really worried right now because I think it is the big picture that they're after. I think they are after from both directions, keeping our eye off the ball of of the threats, the real threats to our liberty. So I want to uh, I think I want to I want to take some calls and I want to talk a little bit about the Mueller report. Uh, my producer Binkley is here. Binkley, um, you and I kind of decided to tackle the Mueller report in two pieces. First of all, how are you doing? You're good. I'm great. I'm surviving this constitutional crisis. I'm sorry. It's not a constitutional crisis. <laughs> my house, did I tell you this? My house is in complete mourning today. Can I tell why? you why? Because my husband is from Houston. And I guess the most devastating... Oh, the Rockets. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, they had a chance Literally, to win seriously. that one. No, I mean, it was, it, it must have been like when Trump won, like for all the Democrats the next day, just like, 
Just like dead silence. Just I like mean, I'm a Georgia Tech fan. That's out. how I feel every year, every game. <laughs> the air was sucked out of my house. And like, I was worried about talking to him. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh my gosh. Like, I don't, I don't know what to do. You got to give a little bit of some breathing room after a oh, game Oh yeah, like that. I just want, because normally I don't watch the games with or anything. So I'm just like, don't even know what's happening. But it's just like, oh my gosh. They had it one. Oh, oh, forget it. No, because I had been following it. So I guess Charles Barkley the day was like, there is no chance on earth the Rockets are going to lose. I was just like, oh, don't say stuff like that. <laughs> so anyway, so I'm trying to keep up, I keep my chin up, but my house is like got a crepe hat hung on the windows. So anyway, but um, but yes, back to our our job so we were tackling the Mueller report and i think we kind of came up with the same thing from both directions you were looking more at the volume one the russian collusion investigation and i was looking at volume two the obstruction of justice investigation but i think we both concluded that it or i concluded and i'm sure you did too that that it's like highly it just to me it was written like just pure propaganda like if i compare how the Mueller report was written with how the star report was written uh, I'm going to get into it, but the the Star Report is like, this person testified to this. This person testified to this. And then put a quote. The Mueller Report is this just absolute narrative with citations to mainstream media, James Comey, and a bunch of people who are being prosecuted. So many citations to James Comey. <laughs> Unbelievable. Who is an actor and a liar. Yeah. Uh, so did you get the same general feeling? The document in and of itself doesn't prove a thing. It just builds off of assertion, off of assertion, just nothing but presumptions and assumptions. Yep. Uh, I totally agree with that, and I want to get into it, but I think I uh, pushed some buttons because people are mad at my Constitutional Convention comments. I've got a lot of calls, and I can get to every single call if you hang on, but I'm going to... I'm going to take uh, Bill in Austin first. Hey, Bill, you are on with Monica. Hey, Monica, thanks for having me again. Uh, just wanted to call and point out, if I understand correctly, a convention of the states is an Article Five Constitution um, convention that's allowed for at any point in time. Enough states say, yeah, let's do it. And as opposed to a constitutional convention, which would be more like having folks go back to Washington to try to change the Constitution or maybe change the original uh, 10 Bill of Rights. So I, I don't know that we're talking about exactly the same thing, and it's not my okay. forte, well, but I, I, I've looked at the Constitution of, of uh, states, and, and it does make some sense. They're taking power away from the federal government. Always a good thing, in my opinion. Isn't the Convention of States in the Constitution that we're talking about, it's that it's an alternative method of amending the Constitution, right? No, I think it's oh, actually okay. an alternative way of writing law. I think they get, a, they get a chance, if they can do this, to go to Washington and force Congress to vote on certain things. Now, again, all right, I got I have not, my constitution my, handy. I'm going to let's take a break. My, it's not my strong suit, but I got it. I'm going to I'm going to figure it out on a commercial and get right back. So I'm hanging up on you, Bill. Um, I'm going to talk to a few people. I have Ann, Jack, uh, Arthur, hang on. And let's take a quick break. 404-872-0750-800-WSB-TALK. This is Monica Perez. Monica Perez. 
on News 95.5 at AM 750 WSB. We were talking about a convention, uh, a constitutional convention or a convention of states. Uh, Caller pointed out that it's Article 5. Thank you for that, because Article 5 is very uh, digestible. It's very short. It says that Congress, uh, you can either, Congress can propose amendments to the Constitution or you can get, you can propose amendments to the Constitution on the application of the legislatures of two-thirds of the states. They should call a convention for the purpose of proposing amendments to the Constitution. And, And whether you do it through Congress or the states, the amendments will be valid. Uh, if in Congress it's ratified by the, the um, I think it's three-fourths either way, Legis- three-fourths of the legislatures of the several states or by conventions and three-fourths thereof. Mm, that's a little, okay. In either case shall be valid to all intents and purposes as part of this Constitution. The amendments will be valid as part of the Constitution when ratified by the legislatures of three-fourths of the several states or by conventions in three-fourths thereof, uh, as the one or the other mode of ratification may be proposed by the Congress. All right, that's a little confusing. But the fact is, Article 5 seems to say that you can either get amendments to the Constitution through Congress or through the state legislatures getting together. And then it's just amendments to the Constitution. So I'm going to get, I bet Arthur here in Stone Mountain knows what the hubbub is, Behind the scenes, when people from the right are calling for a convention of states. what What is it, Arthur? Arthur, you are on with Monica. Is that you? Did I get your name right? Yeah, I'm from Georgia. Okay, Georgia was the first state to sign on to this. There's now 14 or 15 that have done so. You need, thir- you need two-thirds of the states, which would be 34, to, to get the convention held. And then they go there and they can propose amendments like the balanced budget amendment, term limit amendment whatever the number of levan wrote a book called the liberty amendments and it was in reference to this whole process so it is it's not it's not far it's not the far right this is it's because congress sits on their butt their yeah you know what it doesn't do anything that's what why, why it's there yeah that's great i love that and i didn't mean to say the far right i just meant the right but if it's just for the purpose of i mean in my opinion, the balanced budget Only amendment. Only proposing amendments. That's all it can be yeah, done. That and they is, have to be ratified by three-quarters of the state. That's, once they're proposed, then they got to go through three-quarters of the state. Yeah, that, I, I'm fine with that. I had got, some people were telling me that uh, it's the way to do it. What they were trying to do was basically start from scratch and i was surprised at that but i do believe i personally there are some amendments i have to get on board with the term limits people really swear by it i'm not there yet about i would like to return to the articles of confederation where there's no ability to tax but short of that a balanced budget amendment i think is the only moral way to go and i will take any constitutional route to get there i will support it but i want to talk about the Mueller report and uh Jack thinks there's an underlying purpose for the Democrats to want to see the redacted portions, and Ann thinks there's going to be big trouble. So let's get to that after the break. This is Monica Perez.